Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio, the podcast that's all about disease prevention using natural health alternatives. If you're searching for natural solutions to staying fit and healthy, you've tuned into the right place. Your hosts are David and Stephanie Tippy, two naturopaths with the advice and recommendations you need to steer clear of the modern medical mess created by Big Pharma. Today, more than ever, health is wealth. And on Aging Younger Radio, you'll get the tools and info you need to be the wealthiest person in town. So if having younger skin, a healthier heart, a stronger immune system, and more are what you desire, stick around. And now give a warm welcome to David and Stephanie. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio. This is Stephanie Tippy, and I am broadcasting live from my clinic in Lauderhill, Florida. David and I can be reached at 954-742-4430, and you can find us online at agingyounger.net. So this evening I have a very exciting show, a little bit out of the norm for Aging Younger because we're all about the natural alternatives. That being said, there is always a time and space for modern medicine. And this is where we're bringing in, and I have with me four people who are with the South Florida chapter of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Why cystic fibrosis? When I was approached, I like to tell stories, so here's my story. Renee Stern who is the chair for the uh, wine opener, which is the uh, fundraiser for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, she approached me about working and helping her out uh, about getting the message out. And I said, it would be great. We will uh, let Aging Younger become a media sponsor. Back in the early, in the mid-'70s, I, at the time, was working in hospitals at Long Island Jewish, to be specific, in New York, as a registered respiratory therapist. And one of the floors that I happened to have been blessed to take care of was the cystic fibrosis ward. So this show is dedicated to Mitchell and Tony, two beautiful souls who lost their lives to cystic fibrosis, two beautiful people that I was very close to. Uh, Tony I used to take to the amusement park. Most... uh, Practitioners don't do these things. They don't get this close to their their patients. And Mitchell used to ride his bike over to my house so that I could give him postural drainage. So thank you, Renee, for giving me the opportunity to give back. And what this show is all about is to empower those people who do not know what cystic fibrosis is so that you can understand why donating to the foundation is of the essence. My first guest that I would like to bring on air with me is the executive director of the South Florida Cystic Fibrosis uh, Office, and her name is Allie Bethel. So, Allie, welcome to Aging Younger. Thank you, Stephanie, and thank you so much for the platform that you're giving us tonight to tell our stories, and speaking of stories, thank you for telling your story. I wasn't aware of that, and it's very moving. Well, we are one. We are one, and as, in my opinion, the universe works to bring people in alignment at the right time at the right moment. So here we are. 
And now that you have the platform, Allie, and you're being the executive director, can you share what the South Florida CFF Foundation is all about? Uh, I'd like you to talk about um, talk, talk about the beginning. Talk about cystic fibrosis and why the foundation started. Let's start that way. Absolutely. So cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease, and it affects every organ of the body. And back in 1955, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation was founded by a group of families who didn't really understand what was happening to their children, and they wanted answers. So they banded together, and they formed our amazing organization. We're a national organization, so the South Florida office is one of 70 offices throughout the country and we are mighty and we are powerful. And what we do, our mission is to find a cure for cystic fibrosis and to provide all people living with the disease the opportunity to lead full, productive lives. And what we do is we fund research. We develop the drugs that help treat the symptoms and ultimately we'll find the cure for the disease. We promote individualized treatment and very specialized care, very high quality care, and we accredit and help support um, over 120 care centers throughout the country. And we have four in South Florida that we work with. And they focus solely on the care of those living with the disease. Where are these four centers? We have a center, St. Mary's, is in the West Palm Beach area. We have a pediatric and adult um, at Joe DiMaggio and Memorial. We have a pediatric and adult center at University of Miami and a pediatric center at Nicholas Hospital in Miami as well. I didn't know about these centers, and uh, that, that's, that's beautiful uh, to hear. Um, I think it is. These great folks have dedicated their lives to helping those living with the disease, just like you had. They're people like you, and I really don't know what we do without them. We're kind of like peanut butter and jelly. We raise the money, we help support them, and they make sure that those living with the disease get the best possible care. You know what's important? Uh, you, you, you bring up about raising the money and, and, and helping uh, to find the cure for the disease. A lot of people, and I know this for a fact, because I'm a, I, I believe in donating, and I was taught as a young girl, my mother used to make me call up when Jerry Lewis had his telephone, and I would every year donate money. And so it's in, imprinted in my head. But a lot of people fear donating money because of the administrative fees, and they think that a lot of the money that they're donating, donating is going towards administration fees and not towards the actual uh, fund itself. Can you explain a breakdown and how the money, let's say somebody gave $100, how that breakdown mm -hmm. would be? Sure, not a problem be happy to do so. And I'd also be happy to share some tips of where people can look up this information if they're curious about other nonprofits and the best resources that exist out there. So our administrative costs as an organization are 7%. And we are extremely wise in how we use the dollars that are raised and extremely effective as well. So I think when you look at nonprofits, you need to look at efficiency, but you need to also look at effectiveness. And if you break it down that way, we're extremely efficient, but our effectiveness is definitely, I think, one of the best stories in modern-day medicine. Every drug that has been developed for people with cystic fibrosis is because of us. 
We went from having a life expectancy when our organization was founded where people weren't even making it to the kindergarten, early elementary school years, and now we have a median life expectancy of 44. It's a good story. 44 is still far too young. We have great people on the phone you're going to get to hear these stories about. We have Michael, who is an adult who's benefiting from some of these amazing therapies that we've been able to develop. You'll soon hear from Andrea, who has, she's a mom, and she's had an amazing story and is one of the strongest people I've ever met. And CF doesn't affect people in one way, and that's something you're going to hear tonight. And all the medications that have been developed through Michael and Andrea's lifetime, it's really been the bulk of it within their lifetime. We're like the little engine that could. We have come so far, and we are so close to making major breakthroughs. And as I mentioned earlier, our organization was founded by a group of parents, and the fundraising that we have done over the nearly 65 years of our existence has been on our families' backs. So when you talk about people like you or people like Renee who don't have that personal connection and are involved in helping drive the bus along with us to get us to that finish line, that's amazing, and it's impactful because we're such a small disease. I don't, I'm sure you're aware there's only 30,000 people in the United States who have CF or what's known as an orphan disease. So we really can't do this alone, but how far we come is just, it's an amazing story. It is amazing. And that's why this evening's show is all about empowering those who are listening. And this, this podcast will be in Cyberline forever. So you can put it out on social media. People have to know why it's important to donate, why it's important to open up their hearts, why then is it important to open up their pocketbooks and give whatever they can, even a dollar, you know? Again, I go back to when I was a little girl. We didn't have much. I grew up in, in a very humble home, and every year I gave $5 to the Jerry Lewis uh, Muscular Dystrophy uh, Telethon. So being here with you this evening, Allie and Renee and Andrea and Michael, is a privilege for me, it's an honor to be here and to to be a part of this amazing organization. Now, going back to cystic fibrosis, uh, Ali, and going back to the fact that uh, it, it, the awareness started in 1955 uh, with a small group of uh, family uh, friends getting together. Talk about the 65 roses and the symbolism of 65 roses, please. Oh, my goodness, this is one of my favorite stories. I'm so happy you asked about it. It's something that we covet and hold dear in, in our organization and, and the families who we work with. So there's an amazing woman named Mary Weiss, actually, who was in the Palm Beach area, and she was one of our founders. And she had a couple little boys with cystic fibrosis. And she was always on the phone working hard, doing everything she could to raise as much money and rally as many people together as possible to help her children. And one day, one of her sons said, Mom, I know what you're talking about. And she's saying, oh, my goodness, what do you what what do you think I'm talking about? He goes, you're trying to get help for 65 roses, because he was little and he couldn't say cystic fibrosis. And so from then on, this became the 65 roses story, this amazing, powerful mother who moved mountains for her children. And this cute little boy who wasn't able to say it correctly has coined it as 65 roses. And which, it's a beautiful story. It really is. And, and I had asked Renee earlier, we had a private conversation, 
and I asked her if at your uh, different events, especially the gala, which we will be speaking about later in the show, if indeed there were 65 roses altogether, and she said yes, which is, it, it, it's very touching, very, very touching. A few years ago, I supported the Fort Lauderdale uh, luncheon. CFF had a luncheon, the Fort Lauderdale chapter. You guys, you guys. And, yeah. Uh, I was at that luncheon. Uh, was at the Westin? Where where was it? Oh. Downtown Fort Lauderdale. Pier 66, probably. Yes, yes, yes. I was there. I was there, but I was there as a oh uh, participant. I, I I didn't uh, I didn't uh, I wasn't doing aging radio there. I just went on my own to support it again because CFF is uh, very near and dear to me, and you just don't take away those memories. You don't you don't take away uh, from your heart the soul that will always remain in your heart, and that is Tony and and those two hearts uh, or souls are Tony and. And that's why the show is dedicated to them. So, uh, Allie, uh, before I ask Andrea to come on, is there anything you would else you would like to share about the foundation that I might not have asked you? You know, I mean, I could talk for hours. It's my favorite thing to talk about, obviously. Um, but you're going to hear a lot about what we do and how we've helped people when you hear Michael and you hear Andrea's stories. So I don't want to steal their thunder, but I want to kind of pivot back to something we talked about in giving money earlier. And as important as that is to us, time is a gift as well. So if people aren't able to give funds to us or financial support, we look for the gift of time and their talent as well. So I wanted to make sure I did throw that out there, that obviously we love financial support, but we love engagement at any level that people can't give it. So in, in the way of volunteering? Oh, volunteer heart is my favorite heart. Yes, we we okay. love volunteers. So, in particular, <laughs> so people know what type of volunteers are you looking for because there there are people who have certain mm-hmm. skill sets that absolutely and would want to tap in. And how would they reach you and and say, Andrea, I can do so and so. How how do I come on board? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So volunteerism is a big spectrum, and it can be anything from helping with administrative tasks in our office to, like, stuffing mailings, making phone calls, things along those lines. It could be volunteering to help run one of our events for an event-driven organization. We do 16 events in South Florida with the wine opener being one, which is fabulous. Um, So we need people to help out with registration, greeting people, managing our auctions. Um, We also need help with if you take it to the next level, our volunteer leadership teams. Renee's an example of that. She chairs a wine event. We have committees for all 16 events that we do. It could be helping get logistics secured. Most are donated, hence the good administrative fee that we have. Um, so getting logistics donated, helping with marketing, helping sell tickets, tables, creating creative marketing, brochures, uh, graphic design help. I mean, it doesn't stop. And then, of course, we have an advisory board for our chapter as well that helps really kind of guide what the future looks like for the South Florida office. So it just doesn't stop pretty much anything. Well, we can work with anyone in anything. So I am uh, proud to be a part of this organization in my little way uh, because of all the wonderful things that you are doing, Allie and and the group. And um, anybody who is interested in volunteering, Please reach out to Allie. Allie, you want to give some sort of a contact information? 
Sure. We have um, an inbox. You can email Florida at cff.org, or you can call the office, 954-739-5006. Okay, so it's 954-739-5006. Nope, 5006. 5006. Okay. And also, if you just uh, Google the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation South Florida, you will populate and you have a beautiful uh, business page on uh, Facebook as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Allie. Thank you for sharing uh, all about the administration side of the CFF Foundation. And now I I would like to bring on one of two stars who are with us this evening. And the first of those two stars is Andrea, Andrea Goldman. Are you there, Andrea? Yes, I'm here. Hi, everybody. Hello there, sweetie. So, Andrea, I understand you are an adult, a mother, and you are living with cystic fibrosis. I am 34 years old, and I have a husband and a son and a dog and lots of interests and, you know, a hell of a story, I have to say. (laughs) So you have a hell of a story. I'm just going to let you speak. Sure. (laughs) Um, I was diagnosed at six years old. And at that time, life expectancy was about um, hovering around 20 years old. Um, so um, nowadays, as thanks to the foundation, um, we every baby in Florida gets tested at the hospital. So um, nobody goes six years without getting any treatment. Um, anyways, I had a very happy, healthy, um, somewhat a, not, not out of the ordinary childhood. I fit in all of my medications and treatments before school and after school, um, and I really felt very free and able to keep up with all of my classmates. Um, sleepovers were a little trickier because um, I brought my nebulizer and, and things like that. And I, too, had a respiratory therapist who took care of me for, I don't know, 15 years. Year, you know, she meant a lot to me. Um, and but my course of disease, um, if things got more progressed and more complicated, um, I graduated from high school and I danced and I was on the cheerleading squad. Um, but starting in college, um, things got a little more complicated for me. I started needing IV antibiotics that would involve anywhere from um, six to nine infusions a day and it would require an extended hospital stay. And throughout my 20s, the amount of times that I needed IV antibiotics or what we call a tune-up would just get increased. So it started, I needed it once a year, then twice a year, and three times. And then um, towards the later years in my 20s, I was pretty much on antibiotics every six weeks, I would say. So, um, you know, the disease very much did progress for me. I was diagnosed with um, CF-related diabetes at the age of 27. It was actually right after my wedding. 
I did not feel well on my honeymoon at all, fevers and fatigue the whole time. Um, so I found myself with CF and with diabetes, and that was very, very overwhelming. Um, and by the age of 30, I was on 24 hours a day oxygen and found myself on the wait list to get a double lung transplant. I moved to North Carolina. My mom and my husband and my mother-in-law, we all got um, a, a little apartment place to live. I, we, at the time, were actually pregnant with um, a surrogate. So um, it was a very, very emotional and intense time for, you know, both good and, and bad. Um, so, you know, we really banded together as a family and... You know, when you start IVF treatment, you never know how long it's going to take. And my health took a down spiral quickly. So at the time when we were starting, you know, I felt pretty good. And by the end, um, I was on oxygen when my son was born. And I actually didn't get to see his birth because the doctors didn't feel comfortable having me travel. And so I was in pulmonary rehab and I got to see the birth on an iPad. So technology has been an amazing thing for me. And um, after my lung transplant, I did, I recovered really fast. I was in and out of the hospital in nine days. It was a miracle, truly. That is amazing. Yes. Um, It was like, I think they said it was the fastest someone had gotten in and out of the hospital. I just, for all the hurdles, I just, everything went exactly as scheduled. So um, I got out of the hospital very fast. And then I was able to come home, and I moved home with my three-month-old baby and my husband. And then I started getting fevers again. Um, long story short, I ended up with post-traumatic, um, I mean, not post-traumatic, sorry. Um, it's called PTLD, post-transplant lymphoproliferative disorder. So I was on a very heavy amount of immunosuppressant medications, and I ended up with lymphoma. So I found myself five months after a double lung transplant needing rounds of chemotherapy in the hospital, Um, balls, sick to my stomach, no energy. Um, So I thought, you know, 2015 was just going to be about my lung transplant, and I I ended up also becoming a cancer fighter, but I am a cancer survivor. So I am four years post-lung transplant. I'm three years cancer-free. I've run a half marathon um, that was on my bucket list, and life is life is good. I mean, lung transplant life is not complication free, but um, I can't really complain. I've had several sinus surgeries and some stomach surgeries, but everything's doable. I can breathe, and I just feel blessed to be here. I think my uh, God has. He has big plans for you, Andrea. And one of them yes. is that what you're doing right now is to give the encouragement and the hope to other CF-afflicted patients that there is hope, there is cure. The, the, the body, you know, if we take care of it, the body does have the innate ability to cure itself. So in the case, the way I see it, in the case of CF, there just has to be a little bit more tweaking to the nurturing process to get to the exact drug that will bring the body back to its 
state of homeostasis or normalcy or, or balance, if you will. And that's what this fundraising is all about, to get that money uh, so that uh, this um, particular treatment can be found. But uh, what you're doing is you're, I see you're a, spokesman, a spokesperson for the foundation, aren't you? Yes, I've been speaking at events since I was, uh, I think, 11 years old, and I'm 34 now. So it's always been very important to me that I get the word out. Um, so I'm active on Facebook and Instagram, and I participated in a book called uh, 65, The CF Warrior Project. And that's why, you know, I told you from the beginning, I am an open book. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to be ashamed of. And by telling my story, I only find more connection. I've found people through Instagram who have CS and are looking to, you know, use a surrogate. And, you know, I'm, I love that I can share that with them. Um, I've found other, you know, people that have had lung transplants that have suffered from cancer. And it's just the CF community is amazing. We're not allowed to be, you know, within six feet of each other, but with social media and technology, like we really do lift each other up. And the foundation now has a peer mentor program, which I participate in, and um, it's been wonderful. I think me and the mentor, the mentee that I work with, um, we've really both benefited. It's been very healing for me and very healing for them. I, I think, Andrea, I remember you. You were at the, the, um, the fundraiser in downtown Fort Lauderdale, weren't you? Were you, you know, I've done, I've done so many events that sometimes I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. But yes, I mean, I've spoken at the the fashion show luncheon before. Um, that was it. It was the fashion show. I'm I not remember. sure. If, yeah. Mm. I believe I remember you, Andrea. <laughs> so we're gonna be reconnecting again. Great. Is there anything else you want to share about your family? And, and how's your baby? How's your son? He's four years old, and he's beautiful and healthy. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been able to overcome a lot. It's I want to be here for him. It's important that, you know, my fight to live is also my fight for him to have a mother. So um, he's been instrumental in my abilities to overcome. And my family has been everything throughout this. The foundation, with the combination of my, the foundation and my family working together, that's, that's why I'm here. I mean, every bit of money that they um, fundraise for goes straight to research, which translates into medications to help control and to cure. And they've put a huge amount of effort behind the transplant initiative, and our population is aging, and it's exciting to be a part of it. I go to an adult CF center that, you know, didn't exist for a long time because there wasn't a need for adult CF doctors because there weren't adults living with the illness. So um, it's been it's been amazing. I can't tell you the support I've gotten from people like Renee too. I go to all these events and I see people working so hard and they don't have necessarily a connection to the disease. And, you know, I just, I think it's just so great. We have such a great community. I'm so proud well, to be a part of it. Well, I'm, 
I'm glad you're here with us. I'm glad you shared your story. It's a very inspiring story, and I just would like to put it out there. If anybody is online looking, watching, and listening to this podcast online, I put the link for the fundraiser uh, where people can literally just click on that link, and if they would like to donate money, they can. It's embedded in the uh, little uh, blurb that I have out under the bio or description of this radio show so that we can get to the cure sooner than later. And then your dreams will have become a reality, Andrea. There is one last thing I didn't um, mention quickly. I do want to say how incredible the medical community has been. Um, the doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists and nutritionists and everybody that works on the teams, they are so compassionate and they're so dedicated. It's, it's not a nine to five Monday through Friday job for them. They take calls. Um, I have cell phone numbers because, you know, things pop up and they always want to be there for us. And it's, I've had a wonderful experience with the medical team. So. Well, you have to be a very dedicated and, 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 and caring person to work with uh, CF patients, and I, I, I speak from uh, firsthand experience. So I'm, I'm glad that you're blessed with a wonderful I'm, I'm glad that South Florida has such a strong community of uh, healing practitioners for the CF. I have been out of it. The 70s, when I left respiratory, well, when I left Long Island Jewish, and I started working elsewhere, and it took me away from the CF community. But now I'm being pulled back in, very, but very happy to have this opportunity. So, Andrea, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your story with us here on Aging Younger Radio, as does I'm sure Allie and Renee and Michael and the rest of the uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation uh, team members. But um, if, uh, do you have anything else you want to share before I ask Michael to come in? No, I look forward to hearing from Michael. Okay, so thank you. Michael, you are a, um, you're going to be our scientific guru. You're going to talk to us as an adult living with CF, and the science behind cystic fibrosis, and you are in your 40s. Am I correct? You know, Stephanie, I wish that was the case. Um, I just turned 50, so uh, CF is obviously still my biggest challenge, but a receding hairline is uh, second at bat coming up here with me these days. So uh, I am happy. Uh, to talk as an adult on behalf of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation because it is the, the research and the foundation are really the reasons behind why I achieved a, an adulthood age. Well, 50 is amazing, amazing. Again, when I was working with CF, they, they didn't go beyond 20. So th- this is beautiful. Let's hear your story, please, sir. Uh, I can I can sum it up by saying I had a lot of the same experiences as Andrea growing up. I was diagnosed quite early. I was just over a year old. Uh, it perhaps would have been a little sooner even 
because, uh, uh, you know, something was really wrong, my mom said, right out of the gates. But we did move around a lot as a military family, so there wasn't a lot of vested interest in, in finding exactly what was going on when they knew we would move on to a, a different state. Um, so through a lot of insistence, uh, we got a lot of uh, back turned to us early on just by pediatricians that didn't have an understanding. Uh, then we ended up actually at Tulane in New Orleans, and uh, my mom tells a story as the doctor walking down the hall before even meeting me pointed to me, and he said, cystic fibrosis, because I had quite the distended belly. I was pretty pale and had the, the kind of uh, blue lips you see sometimes when you're not getting enough oxygen. But I was very mm -hmm. fortunate that even back in the, the dark ages of cystic fibrosis treatment, back then, we're talking being born in 69, the best that the, the medical community even had to do um, or had treatments for with cystic fibrosis was treating it much like asthma. You would treat it like asthma, do everything you can to open up the airways, and they did luckily have digestive enzymes. Uh, they were pretty, uh, pretty uh, rudimentary. I remember I used to have to take 35 of them. It was called Codazyme. I, I took 35 with a meal. But, wow. Yeah, a lot. but at the same time, they, they worked. You know, the medications, they worked enough that uh, luckily between the, the combination of medication and, and working out with my dad, he was uh, a, a real staunch athlete in his own discipline, and he, he did the same with me. That seemed to kind of stave me along to where the next medication would come out. So I had a pretty unremarkable uh, childhood as long as I was maintaining with all the treatments. And just like Andrea said, same kind of thing. You're bringing a nebulizer over to your friend's house, and then the mom wants to learn all about it. And once they do, they're like, well, do you need help cleaning it? You know, so is it? You always find a tight community within the, the CF families. Uh, but, you know, that, that got me through to where swimming uh, did a great thing for me all through high school. Um, I could say I had my letdowns by not making it to a college team, but that's kind of the, the flag football version of a complaint, seeing as though it did give me life. So um, I, sports helped me out quite a bit. And my consolation prize to myself when I did make a, a college swim team was to uh, go lifeguard at Clearwater Beach when I was in undergrad college. And I remember when in 89, my mom called and said, they discovered the gene that causes cystic fibrosis. I had been to a number of studies at NIH in Bethesda and went under like local sedation to where they would do what's called a bronchoscopy. They would extract cells from the lungs and wash them and study them and try to see where this defective gene lied within the, the abnormalities of cystic fibrosis, what was causing cystic fibrosis. And so I had just come back from one of those trips to NIH, and it was less than a month later that uh, this article came out in Science Magazine. My mom read it to me. I went to my boss at the beach. Uh, this, is, you know, this is when you're just hopeful and you're young and you don't understand all the science yourself yet. But I went to him and said, you know, in the near future, uh, I probably have to leave and go take off for a week. I'm probably going to get a pill or something, and I think they're going to cure cystic fibrosis. So you won't be seeing me any longer in the back of the pack during morning runs and swims. Because I really, you know, all of us did. I can speak for the whole community. We were so excited thinking at the time that some kind of cure was around the corner. And then the reality hits, and you know it's five years out. Then the next time they say it's five years out is at the end of that five-year mark. Then it's ten years out. But I'll say this, since I'm here to speak about science, we are now in the lightning round of treatments for cystic fibrosis. We're, we're kind of writing new chapters. Uh, the, the dark days are behind us. The real discoveries are there. And 
the positive results are just compounding with every new medication coming out. But it's not yet a cure. A cure, you know, cure is a very strong word. So we're not there yet. There's more science needed, and, of course, money is needed to fund that science. But the drugs today, in my mind, are unfathomable for what we would have had just two or three years ago. Are you are you on any meds now? I, well, so I'm on a, a, a number of medications, but I'm happy to report I'm on fewer maintenance medications because of a current study that I'm in. I'm in a clinical drug trial right now where I go up to the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, and the lead director of the study is the, is the doctor there and very bright mind, but he's a, he's a clinical lead investigator, and he was able to uh, start early with a couple enrollments about five or six years ago and had enough patient population that some of these studies were able to get pushed through pretty quickly, and every time that couple of these companies would have, you know, a good drug in, in the lab. They would then actually ask if we could do it on patients and good volunteers out there. The patients would come forth. And next thing you know, you, you have a medication. It's not the best medication, but it makes a change. So w- without going into maybe the particular um, different companies doing it, there are a handful out there that have come up with some tremendous medications. The first one raised lung functions a little bit, and then they scratched their heads and said, Maybe if we add another medication to this one and make it a combination therapy, one plus one will equal three. And one plus one did equal three for them. There was a synergistic effect between the two medications. And lately with one of the companies out there, uh, they said, hey, maybe one plus one plus one would equal five. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm happy to report being in that study that the one plus one plus one, there's three drugs now, it's a cocktail, but let's just say it equals closer to 20. It is, it's been a revelation. So um, I do take less of my digestive enzyme than I used to just a year ago. I uh, actually came off of an inhaled antibiotic. So, yeah, I, the, the, the drugs are, are out there and they're coming into fruition. So, Michael, when do you think 1 plus 6 will equal 10? I don't know that it even has to come to that. Uh, I believe that the the companies studying the drugs right now are in the limelight so much with this this fact that they may one day cure a disease that other companies are getting on board and they want to be in this competitive arena. They didn't think it was possible. Now they're learning that it's possible. Their scientists are thumping themselves in the heads and going, yeah, why didn't we see that? And so where one company left the gates, there are about a dozen companies right now following that company's lead. And they may it's very possible they'll come up with something completely on their own that might be monotherapy. Uh, what, what the science realized some years ago, and you used the word, Stephanie, homeostasis, and that is mm-hmm. the body's ability just to run and function uh, how it should, right? The brain tells the body what to do, and the body does it. And in this case, to simplify it a little bit, it's, I, I wouldn't call it um, the, the lack of homeostasis. Instead, it's the body should otherwise function in, in one way where the cells that line all the mucous membrane tissues or what they call epithelial tissues, lungs, pancreas, stomach, and so forth, it, it's a hydration problem. The cells aren't smart enough to learn how, because they're missing a, a protein in, in the gene, the cells aren't smart enough, you know, if, if you call themselves their, their own brains, they don't know how to push a, a sodium and a chloride ion to the surface of the cell. 
And if, if they did do that, then my lungs and Andrea's lungs would function like other healthy lungs. And that, that, that essentially called assault for, you know, layman's terms, that would attract water. And that mm-hmm. water would allow the, the cell lining to thin out the secretions, the mucus, and it wouldn't be thick and sticky and be stuck down there in a place for breeding grounds. But since the I, cell I, doesn't know how to function correctly, yeah, please. I've got a question because now my scientific mind is starting to think, okay, and this is going towards, you know, stuff that we do at our Aging Younger Clinic. So hydration is a big part we, in health, anybody's body being healthy. And what if, um, what is your take if a cystic fibrosis afflicted patient were to start hydrating with alkaline water? Because now you have highly electrolyte enriched water entering through the aquapores of the body. Do you think that it, you know more about the science of CF than I do, and that's why I'm asking this question. Do you think that that hydration would enhance at that cellular level? So, so maybe go back and, and divide that, kind of bifurcate that, that uh, alkaline water to say that both populations would benefit from it. Everybody should, you know, I, I've read the science behind it. I'm all behind the alkaline water. I think if you can push the, you know, the pH to 9 or plus, you do a lot of good things for the body. Um, Somebody who has cystic fibrosis absolutely needs to stay hydrated because you're, you're losing a lot of water through sweat. It's kind of a different animal uh, in the discussion to say the reasons needed to, to be hydrated. You need to be hydrated because you sweat a lot. When, you, when the cells that line the lungs don't do what they're supposed to do, that salt actually kind of goes uh, excreted through a different mechanism, and it's expressed onto the skin. And what's that do? That attracts water to the skin. So Somebody with cystic fibrosis will typically sweat more because their sweat will be 20 to 40% more salinic or, or have more salt in it than a non-CF person's sweat. So the, the hydration problem, though, is not a function of you can't get enough good water to the body. It's that the cells have no way of calling that water to themselves because they don't know how to express a sodium or a chloride ion from inside the cell to outside the cell. And science picked up on that about a decade ago and said, gosh, if we can just get these cells to push this, these, these ions of chloride or sodium to the surface, we can then attract water to the outside lining of the cells. And then a whole bunch of the cells makes up the tissue, lining of the tissue. And so uh, a company did do that about, uh, I think, eight years ago and it was Vertex Pharmaceuticals, and they came out with a drug that was a lottery ticket for the small subset population of cystic fibrosis patients that had a gating disorder only within the cell. In other words, there was a a method for this uh, ion to travel within the cell. It knew how to go down a channel, but there was a trap door, essentially, that was was shut. And this drug uh, opened that door. And I had a friend from CF Camp who called me about uh, the time that he – found this new drug called Coladico, and he said, you know, I'm out here living in, in Dallas, and I found you on LinkedIn, and uh, we're the only two left, so, you know, I was kind of lonely, and I wanted to reach out to you. Now, we knew each other when we were eight, and they used to have cystic fibrosis camps, and so mm-hmm. he told me how lonely it is because he learned of the last person at our camp just passing away. He said, but I have good news. He said, I never knew what my genotype was. I never knew what my defect was. I obviously knew I had CF. I mean, he had lung functions around 55%. 
and he got on this drug, and that worked wonders for him. He is now running. He did it, you know, like much like Andrea did the half marathon. Uh, he's working out again. You know, he put on, he said, 30 pounds. Uh, very happy, you know, very happy for him. And he said, but I also have this guilt factor, knowing that I belong to the one of only about 5% of the cystic fibrosis population that benefits from this drug. And, of course, the pharmaceutical companies, Vertex, they weren't done with that. They knew they had to go further. And that's where they're at now, and they have. And, and they, they made a combination drug for those that had different expressions of the, the faulty CF gene. And you know, I'm not there yet to say that it's going, these drugs are going to replace a lung transplant or be a cure. Not today, but they are on their way with continued funding. It's, it's close. It's really close. That that, that that's an, a very powerful story. I, I didn't know. I didn't know about these drugs. I didn't know. You're you're educating me. I'm becoming more and more educated about this entire process, which leads us to the importance of the fundraising, and leads us to the importance why people need to become empowered to learn about cystic fibrosis. And even though it's a small subset of the population, only thirty thousand people affected in the United States, it's still 30,000 souls on this planet, okay? And those 30,000 yes, souls... Yes, that's so true. Thank you. Have, Thank you. you, you the, those 30,000 souls have the same right to live a longer, healthier life just like any other individual. Okay. And so I, I ask my audience, my listeners, my, my followers to please open up your hearts and open up your pocketbooks or, or give the time. As Ali said, uh, donate your time if, if money is an issue. It's not always money. Time is also of the essence. And, again, in, there is a link in the uh, brief description of the bio uh, of this show on blogtalkradio.com forward slash aging younger. And the link to the show will always be on the archive. So, Michael, Andrea, Ali, Renee, you can take this link and put it all over and people can listen, and then they can, t you know, come back and call and find out wh how to get become more and more involved. And that's the importance of it all. And I would like to do a follow-up show on this because, Michael, you've got a, you've got a lot to share, and um, I have a, a scientific mind, and I'd like to talk to you offline about this uh, because we are running out of time. We're down to 15 minutes, and I want Renee to come on and talk about the gala and the, the fundraiser because that is the crucial point in being able to get the money to fund the, the science behind the ultimate, if you will, in, in, in uh, quotes, the ultimate uh, drug that will take cystic fibrosis and eradicate it off the face of the earth. So, Michael, thank you so very much. Do you want to share any contact information? I don't know if you want to do that. I would gladly uh, speak with you after the show. And, and of course, the CF Foundation uh, has all my contact information. I think that the best thing that you're, you're doing here is just what you've already offered, and that is giving us publicity because when, when these people are interested, if they just want to come to some of the events, like you mentioned earlier, I've been, I used to host events. I've been to a number of events. I've listened to Andrea speak before at a number of events. Her parents were very, always been very involved with the foundation, with their hearts, with their money and, and time and efforts. And I will tell you, six years running, going to their event, there's not a dry eye in, in the house when she starts talking about how her sorority sisters 
would come to her room and decorate for her, her hospital room uh, when she was getting her IV treatments. And it brings the house down, and people reach for the wallets. So all you have to do is, is get the people there. They want to see the science. And that's the best thing we can have is bodies in the room. And that's where Miss Renee Stern, one of my favorite people, I'm bringing you in. Renee is the chair for the wine opener, uh, event chair uh, for the CFF South Florida uh, Foundation, and she is also an advisory board member of CFF. And, Renee, I am so grateful that you brought me into the equation, and I welcome you to Aging Younger Radio. Thank you so much. Can you hear me, Stephanie? Okay, thank you. Okay, I have to apologize because I do have a little hoarseness in my voice, um, and so I apologize. I will do my best to uh, keep up. I may need to take a sip of water every now and then, Um, but I really want to say it's an honor and a privilege, Stephanie, that you have taken this on. I know that you've had in the past some work as a respiratory therapist with cystic fibrosis patients, and so I know it's near and dear to your heart, and I really do appreciate all that you're doing to help us and all that you are doing right now on this call, because I think it's very important to send the message and for people to understand what the disease is about and how people are living with cystic fibrosis. So thank you to Allie of the Foundation who is absolutely wonderful. Uh, thank you, Michael and Andrea, for sharing your stories as well. Uh, each time I hear them, it touches my heart even more. So thank you all for also being on this call. Um, well, what would you like me to say? Well, Renee, as chair for the, mm-hmm. uh, the fundraiser for the wine opener, I'd like you to please talk about this wonderful gala event, and I'm really excited about being there. David, my husband, and I will be there, and we will probably do be doing some live videoing uh, uh, straight from the uh, the gala. So I'm really excited about it. Let's let's talk about it. Tell people about it. Okay. Well, okay. So let's talk about the party, because this event is all about celebrating the life of those with cystic fibrosis and in the efforts of everyone donating and funding to fund the science for a cure, research, and care. And so we really do encourage people to come out and kick up their heels and have a good time, mingle, meet new people, uh, have great, how do I say, have great wines paired with elegant sit-down dinner. We have live and silent auctions. We have some really, really amazing uh, auction items already, which I can't speak about uh, right now, but uh, a famous singer actually has donated something. And um, so we we really like to have everyone understand that as well, we are coming out for this mission and we talk about stories of people like Michael and Andrea and share those stories because we want people to understand everyone has a different story. Everyone has a unique beginning and how they've come to this time in their life. And we try to connect everyone so that everyone does feel like it's a family because that's exactly what we're about. Part of the reason, let me go step back a little bit. I got involved with cystic fibrosis three and a half years ago. I am a volunteer. I do not have a personal connection. However, I have become involved when 
a few years ago, I, I had took some interest in it. Um, I met some people with cystic fibrosis in my current position of um, VP of sales, working with salt therapy. I met some people along with cystic fibrosis as well. And I went to a cystic fibrosis walk in Boca, and it was amazing. The community in within the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation is a huge family of support, compassion, dedication, and everybody reaches out no matter whom and where they live, who what they are, doesn't matter. And that is what brought me in. And it is three and a half years, and it feels like family to me, and I love the experience. Um, the foundation is fabulous to volunteers. They treat them like family. They understand that they have jobs, full-time jobs. So what they do is they offer their support by saying, help when you can, if you can refer to us, some corporate sponsors, for example. That's one of the things that we really do need for this event. We need some corporate sponsors. We need um, to sell uh, tables and, and seats. And we want people in the room, like Michael said. We need the more people in the room to understand and appreciate what people are going through and how science really needs to be funded because we really are very, very close. And I will say this. I'll probably say it a few times. The whole goal here is that we are waiting for the day when people can say, I used to have CF. And that is really the end game for all of us because we do know it's there. And that's what we're all fighting for. So, um, and going back, we have our ticket sales. We have many sponsorships. We have ticket sales that are $250 each. It can be anywhere from buying a table, which is 2000 per table. We have VIP tables. And speaking of that, we have a fabulous VIP private party, which is, happens about two weeks before the event. The event this year is held on a Friday, October 18th at the Royal Palm Yacht and Country Club, beautiful on the water in Boca Raton. And it starts at 6.30, ends at 11. We have live music. We're going to have a, a violinist who is just fabulous at the event playing during our, during our social hour, reception hour. We're having, of course, photography. We're having, of course, fun little things like that. We are also having um, – we have uh, also a singer, live singer, dancing, great networking, great just meeting new friends, a lot of philanthropic people in the community that are here. The, the food is absolutely amazing for any palate. Trust me, it's amazing. Uh, anyone has any special interest with food allergies, things like that, we'll take care of that as well. No problem with that. We had about 200 people in the room last year, and we netted $220,000. Amazing. Amazing. Well, this year, I, 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 I told you, the goal I see, I envision, is over 300000 Yes, I hear you. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, I lost connection there on my end. Um, so last year we needed 220000 Our goal this year is 275000 and I'm going to reach it with everybody's help on the phone, all of my colleagues here on the phone with us. Uh, we're going to do that this year, and if we could even extend that to 300000 I'd be even happier. And uh, that is that is the goal here. So that's my goal. Right, I'd yeah. like to guys hit the three hundred thousand mark. Oh yeah. Doesn't that sound like a good number to you, Stephanie? Yes, it does. Definitely. What yeah, Allie. Allie. 
Allie, you it there? sounds like a great number to me. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, also, I, I want to say that. Also, go ahead. I was going to just say, let me reiterate in the link that embedded in the brief description on this uh, radio show is the link to make a donation. People, please click on it. You know, if if you don't have the the two fifty to attend the event, even you, even a small donation to get us to that. $300,000 mark will be very much appreciated. Go ahead, Renee. Yes, we are, we're also looking for what we have um, titled the Wine Openers Shining Stars. So we're looking for individuals or couples who can help us fundraise uh, 5000 or more, and they will be honored at the event, at the VIP party two weeks before the event, and which is a fabulous, fabulous party. We have food, gourmet food, we have, we have wines, we have uh, live music, and it's all about getting together on that level of collaborating to see how we can empower others and build this community stronger of helping people with living with cystic fibrosis. So anyone who is looking, who has philanthropic background, who would love to be a part of that shining stars and be recognized as a philanthropic uh, supporter of Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, we welcome. You may call the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation again at 954-739-5006. Stephanie Wilson is actually the development director that can be directed to as well. And her email, if someone wants to email it, is swilson at cff.org. And also the event link is on the, is on the web. And the, in order to buy tickets, you can also go to the events.cff.org slash wineopener2019. Again, that's events.cff.org slash wineopener2019. You guys have got everything put together. You've done a phenomenal job, each and every one of you. And it's it's a very synergistic group of people that we have on this call. You realize that, right? Yes, yes, we are all interconnected, absolutely. That's what this organization does. They are, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation is a very unique foundation uh, in which they collaborate, and they actually are a family, I have to tell you. I am a volunteer, and I am telling you, they bring you in, and you cannot leave because there's so, such an emotional attachment, and there's a personal caring and compassion level that is so unique, that is so infectious, that you stay. And that is the reason why I am here. Well, I'm sure the CFF organization is very grateful for all that you do, Renee, um, and I'm grateful that you brought me in uh, to the equation, and we're down to 90 seconds, so it's, and you thought we didn't have enough uh, to talk about. We could have gone on for two hours <laughs> easily, uh, and maybe we'll do a follow-up, you know? We can do another show next month if you'd like, and Michael, if that'd be if great. you, I'd like to... Uh, get a little bit more in the nitty-gritty of the science of it. But we'll talk offline. Right now, uh, it, sure. we are running out of time. 
So I would like to thank each and every one of you for for sharing your role in this very important um, fundraiser, in this very important um, organization. And I would like to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you again for bringing me in on it. And you've got me involved now, and I'll probably do this again and again and again. So once I say that, I come from heart, and uh, what, what you see is what you get. That being said, I'm going to have to say uh, farewell for now. David and I will be back on the air next week, same time, 7 p.m. here on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, I'd like to say thank you all for being our loyal listeners. And have a healthy, aging, younger week, and God bless you all. David and Stephanie truly hope you enjoyed today's podcast and learned a lot of excellent information about how to stay healthy naturally. Like the old adage says, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And with the information you've learned today, you can put prevention to work for you right now. By the way, if you want one-on-one help and advice from Stephanie and David, you can call them at 954-742-4430 or visit their website at www.agingyounger.net today. Thanks for joining us on Aging Younger Radio. Here's to your health, naturally.